You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Welcome to the Hello Sport Podcast, home of unqualified opinion and unwavering bias. Uh, another interview podcast, Eddie. We're racking them up. Is this three in three weeks? It's three in three weeks. Very lucky listeners. Usually they listen to us just talk shit. Yeah. Uh, but this week we've got another one. We've gone to another level. Uh, we have got former rugby league player, premiership winner, origin representative, now media personality, Jamie Soward. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> what a build-up. <laughs> you actually make me sound like I'm good at uh, what I do. Look, um, yeah, I, I just say former rugby league player. I don't have to list the accomplishments. Mate, but, um, no, it's, that's my job. Yeah, I just, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited because I haven't, usually you proof all the questions and you're like, oh yeah, you know where it's sort of going, but uh, open slather today, boys. Thank you very much. Uh, so how are you? Well? I'm good. Good? Uh, yeah, new father. So Indiana's four months old now and... Uh, Really loving fatherhood. Uh, my wife Maddie's killing it. So yeah, everything's going good. We just met little Indiana out the back. Adorable. Just anything unexpected around fatherhood that you've sort of, or is it all? Um, honestly, it's like I think I'd be more comfortable with a little boy because yeah. around you know all that kind of stuff. But rough and tumble. Yeah, rough. Yeah, just like when you hold her up and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I love fatherhood. I think it's it's really mellowed me out a little bit i think i'm an intense guy and an emotional guy and i don't sit on the fence on too many things but it's sort of softened me up but i'm sure that'll uh change once the referees stuff something up this weekend or (laughs) or someone you know a play happens in the nrl or something happens but uh yeah it's really mellowed me out i think yeah nice well we'll get to your playing career in a bit but you're talking about uh you know we mentioned that you're in the media now what well just what year did you retire uh, 2016. 2016, right. So you finished up uh, and then a bit of work at Triple M. And No, has- no, no, no. I actually sat on my ass for about three months. Oh, shit, that's and right. And then my wife, who works at head office, Harvey Norman, not the look, but it was like, you need to do something. You can't be professional PlayStation player. Um, so I went and sold toilets at Harvey Norman. That's right. How long Taps did you do that for? A year, on and off for a year. Did you really? Yeah. So, like, people coming in, and this is, like, the ignorance of some fans. They just want their team, you know. They don't really see what's going on. They'd be like, oh, how's training going? Okay. <laughs> Clearly not well because I'm fat and selling toilets. So, um, But you know what? Taking that job at Harvey Norman and working in taps and toilets and all that kind of stuff opened up so many doors uh, otherwise because I had to learn to talk to people that didn't know me. Mm. and didn't care that I wasn't playing footy so mm. and had to get money out of them. So that helped me going into full-time media work and that's why I've been lucky enough now to, to kick off and be full-time in the media. How was that? I completely I do remember now when you did yeah. that. Um, you know, when you, when you tell people that you were, you know, you're a former rugby league player and now you're working at Harvey Norman selling toilets, there is the obvious thing of people going like, wow, shit. Yeah. How was that for you just on maybe like an ego level where you've gone from, you know, top of the heap as it yeah. were and then now you sort of, I mean, humble maybe isn't the right word, but you just sort of had to go, shit, all right, I need to find something to do. This is what I'm doing. Uh, the first month I was very embarrassed uh, because everyone thinks that, you know, I still play local basketball and everyone's like, oh, you must have millions in the bank. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, I've been divorced. <laughs> I partied. I, you know, wasted my money. Uh, lucky enough that I met my wife and, you know, we had enough saved uh, out of that divorce. But, like, it's embarrassing because people just think, you know, you have all this money and they don't understand that life happens. And I think that's where, as I've matured, you know, going back in and selling toilets, I sort of matured pretty quickly that, I'm only going to earn 20 bucks an hour plus commission. And if I don't get out there and throw myself into it, I'm going to really struggle to help contribute until, I mean, media was my passion. I've been doing it at Triple M since 2013 or 14 when I was still playing. So, um, but I needed to just throw myself into it. And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know how much work I did because people would want to talk footy. So <laughs> I'd just find my way down bathrooms. I'd go to carpets and talk to the proprietors there and they talk for footy for about 20 minutes. I go at the back and talk to the warehouse people. And then before I knew it, my shift was finished <laughs> and the boss knew that I wasn't going to make thousands of dollars for her, but um, the notoriety and people coming in and talking and I just, I ended up really enjoying it. So how did you transition from, you know, talking footy with the punter and the dribbler to uh, talking professionally, you know, in the media game? How did that come about? Uh, I approached triple M uh, when I was still playing and tried to, Pretty much, 
I assigned myself two years to just say I'll do anything and I'll give anything a go. And the first year, I think I did it for free a couple of times just to try and see if I was good at it, mm. um, which I secretly sort of knew that I'd be good at just relating to the to the person listening because I can get in technical and I can describe the play as technical as you like, but I can also dumb it down because I know what I like to listen to on the radio. Yeah, uh, I listen to a lot of American stuff and I bring that American podcast stuff and all that sports center and espn stuff i bring that across to how i commentate and how i talk to people mm. and how i relate the play to how they're listening so that really helped me um then yeah pretty much when i retired i just did the the toilets for a while and then you know just i think my hard work early on in those early years at triple m paid off and i started doing footy games and then um it got to a point where recent just recently you know i sort of looked at myself and I was enjoying what I was doing. You know, I signed on with NRL.com, um, was doing Triple M and then had an opportunity to go across to Macquarie Sports and, and 2GB. And for me, uh, it's a big move because I've got a young family. I need some security. And um, jumping across to a team that's been around for nearly 30-odd years, one of the probably the best sports show to listen to on a weekend. Everyone knows who the continuous call team is. To be a part of that uh, really excited me and felt like that I was actually moving up the ladder. And um, you combine that with what I do with a little bit of Fox and then Channel 9 last year doing the reserve grade, uh, the Canterbury Cup New South Wales, really put it all together. So while I'm working like six jobs and got to be here, there and everywhere, I love it because the Canterbury Cup New South Wales is such an important stepping stone to the NRL that I can actually use stuff that I am practising for mainstream, which is NRL, which, you know, the ratings for Channel 9 are great, but the radio, NRL, everyone sort of listens to and knows. So I just bring it all together and mesh it. And for seven months, I don't see my wife or kid on the weekend now. So uh, I'm pretty much footy mode until October. And then they get me back to being a dad. Do you find you have to alter your approach between radio and TV? Do you find like you do you find yourself doing more on radio because the viewer can't see anything? Yeah, oh look, I th- radio is a lot looser. Like yeah. I think radio, um, I enjoy radio and podcasts probably because you're not timed out. Like it, radio, it's sort of you just loose and it's yeah, just like yeah. us. You know, we could be calling a game right now and you know people will listen because they can go to the kitchen and whatever. Whereas TV, it's like keep it short, keep it sharp. You know, you got to have an ad break, you got to have ads here, stuff like that. So that maturity side of things for me was really good learning that okay i can watch this stuff and still chime in when i need to but on radio i can probably go a little bit longer and and be a little bit looser because that's what people want to hear they they put on the radio because they're probably doing something else Mm. if you're watching tv you're watching tv to listen to the analysis of the game so i find a nice little balance there i enjoy both Uh, i'd love to if one thing i need i need to get better at interviewing people um both podcasts and on radio and stuff like that, I get really nervous and anxious that, um, being honest, that the players don't really respect me or what I did and um, whether that be my opinions, you know, that that's still an anxiety thing for me and something that I've, that anxiety is something I've always struggled with and I go out there on field and I'm like looking up to these players and interviewing them and I just want to know as a fan because I'm excited to hear what they say but um, that's something I need to get better at. So just on that side of things, the anxiety yeah. side of things. So um, is that something you've dealt with your whole career? Uh, yeah. In different forms? Yeah. So I suffered from depression uh, and anxiety through the divorce, which you know, I made public you know, the last couple of years. And you know, anxiety is like a funny thing. It just happens straight away. And mm. you, can't, you can try and slow it down, but it's still going to happen. So um, – like I was always conscious of what people were saying about me, but in you know, the way I played, I used that as a chip and then it turned into either a good performance or a bad performance. Now, I'd like to think that most of the times it was a good performance, but when it was a bad performance and we'd lost and I was in the paper and had played bad, like you just crash. And that's why it's a roller coaster because you talk to players and you guys have been around players, you're winning, the roller coaster's up, hands up, yep, I'm on the beers, I can't wait to get out. As soon as you lose or play bad, it's free fall. And if you lose two or three in a row and your form's not good, you just you don't know when you're going back up again. Would you did you talk to people about it when you were playing or was it something you just dealt with privately? Um I dealt with it until I met Maddie and then I'd gone and seen I'd been seeing someone for about 
two months before that. So the doctor at the time at Penrith had realised that I was struggling, uh, which everyone had known, but he'd probably pushed a little bit harder and pushed my buttons a little bit more and I ended up going to see someone and uh, that was through the divorce and, and all that kind of shit. So yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was dark. Yeah. Like I was living by myself and... Yeah, you go and, but the best thing was I went and talked to someone that had no idea about footy and just wanted to talk to me as a person and she ended up changing my life. Like, you know, the way I looked at things and then I met Maddie and it was like, for me, I always say this, for me, I'm a million times happier now than what I was playing. Yeah, like, right. playing's great. I loved the fact that I got the chance to earn money and play footy and, and play with mates and win a comp and all that kind of stuff and I'll never forget those accomplishments but... I'm just like 10 times million happier now just being a father and, and that kind of stuff. You say that. You say you're happier now and, and you know, you, you've dealt with your anxiety and that's getting a lot better. But I find it interesting that you still feel like some of the players don't think that, you know, you've accomplished enough in the game for you to interview them. Yeah. You know I mean, your origin player won a premiership, um, won a jersey flag. Did you win yeah. the comp there? Like, you've done just about everything bar an origin series, really. So... I find it interesting that you still feel that way. Is that because you've, of feedback you've gotten at one point in your life was um, just an insecurity? Probably an insecurity, I would say. Yeah. Um, still getting used to going out and interviewing the players that I'd played against. That um, you get, It's just a build-up. Like you go out there and still interviewing people. Like you know, A couple of times I've gone to interview people on the sideline and I've been a bit... Yeah, will they even talk to me? And not probably overthinking it. And yeah. that's anxiety. That's what it is. You overthink things and you make things bigger than what they actually are. And by the time I go out there and interview them, I come off and I say, oh, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And then just keep moving. And I'm like, oh. There's nothing to worry there's about. There's nothing to worry about, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, that's fucking um, anxiety. Yeah, and yeah. like it just recently, yeah, I'm doing a piece for NRL.com. And, you know, now that I'm in the media, I have to predict and where teams are going to finish. And, you know, no one wants to predict a team to finish last. But... I have to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's my job. And if I don't do my job, I don't get paid. So, I, you know, the first week I've, I've picked Parramatta to finish last again this year. First interview of the year is Brad Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how do I look at Brad Arthur, whose job's on the line for finishing last last year? He looks at me and they're like, "Oh, it's Jamie Sowers interview," and he's like, "Shut the f up." <laughs> How am I going to... I'm not letting him ask me a question because, yeah, obviously he's joking. He, he gets yeah. it as well. And I'd I'd like to think that everyone that plays the game and is involved with the game understands that these things have to happen, you know? So, but my anxiety after I heard him sort of, you know, look at me, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so then we go live and I have to ask him a question. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope he just doesn't... I hope he answers. Yeah, yeah. And then he does. And then after, I'm like, oh, good luck for the year. And yeah, you know, I don't want to pick anyone to come last. But the fact is, someone comes last it. every year, you know? And Parramatta could come last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where um, did you have Manly? Where you got Manly? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, look... You got a couple of Manly fans. See, I, like everyone says, oh, how's the footy season? You're pumped for tonight. And I go, yeah, I'm pumped <laughs> for the start of the year. But I started a month ago. You know, I started looking at squads and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, look, I had Manly 12th. Mm. But... Yeah, they got no depth, so Dude. I got them. The backline they fighting, rolled out this week, fighting for the spoon, maybe. <laughs> I got Bulldogs, Para, Warriors, and Manly, the bottom four, quite okay. comfortably. Okay, look, look, we'll let that go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've come all the way from Penrith. <laughs> all right, you let it go. <laughs> um, so, uh, in terms of, I mean, with. The context of what you're talking about with the anxiety you dealt with during your career and maybe even when you were playing, maybe there was a perception that, you know, you were a little bit cranky or, you know, um, maybe misunderstood, I'd say, maybe at times. How did you find the transition into media, knowing what players go through, knowing the scrutiny they, they come under, talking about the roller coaster as well? How much of a consideration is that for you when then you need to go and talk about players? Do you kind of go, I'm in the media now. I have to do it stiff shit or do you try and come in with a bit more compassion? Um, yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Look, I think when I was... I was always conscious of what was going on around me because I wanted to work in the media. So I had one media training when I was 19. From 19 till probably 30, I was just an absolute prick to the media because what's drilled down from the coaches and the club is don't give any ammo... Don't you know? Don't say anything that's going to rile the other team up. Don't put yourself out there in case you play bad. So all these negatives, right? So you 
put these walls up and like people come and ask you questions like nah 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 yeah and we saw the Darius Boyd the infamous Darius Boyd interview yeah. you know yeah. I was in that room when Wayne had said don't say anything to the media meaning don't give them any stuff that we're, they can go off not you know? literally don't so say Darius anything. goes down <laughs> 10 minutes later we're all back upstairs <laughs> it's like Darius <laughs> so um, look I'll never personally bag a player I don't think that's fair and I've I, been to games where fans just absolutely tee off and you know i'm a passionate celtic supporter so in the basketball so for me i can get right into it but also understand that these guys have lives as well and for some of these guys they do go home and read the stuff that you can't get away with it social media these days give people platforms anywhere anytime to say anything without any repercussion Mm. you know you can we can put this podcast out people can comment as much as they like unless i go on and read it I'm not going to know. So um, I'll always call it as I see it. If I think a guy is underperforming for what they need to do for their team to help them win, because it's all about winning at the end of the day if you're a player. And the transition for me into the media was call it how I see it. Uh, It's going to be hard sometimes if players that you like or you've played with. But at the end of the day, you know, I have to get, I have to do my job, protect myself on my own business now. So, if, as long as I saw it down the line and I'd be happy if someone was saying that about me and listening back. I mean, I remember when Mark Guy called me, yeah, a, a toll. You know, Greg Inglis ran over me. Greg Inglis is 110 kilos, game one, <laughs> 09, drifts across. We've all seen on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it puts me into row four Olympic Park. And that was the opening nights. So everyone's watching and it's like, oh, Jamie Sowers, a toll, blah, blah, blah. He can't tackle me. So I'm like, I can look at this two ways. I can get really upset or I can just... So I just said, well, it's 2009, all right? It's E-tag, clearly, okay? <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I'm going to be on GI's highlights for the rest of my life. So <laughs> when my kid grows up, she's going to be like, there's daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's always hard. Look, there's more people that can scrutinize you, I think, in the media at any time. Like Twitter's a perfect – I love Twitter, but there's some real wankers on Twitter that mm. don't get – they see their team and see where you picked them and they don't understand and they just want to lash out. Uh, and then you say something back to them. They're like, oh, oh, blah, blah, blah. They come back and you're like, okay, well, if I'm going to take the time to, to write back to you, at least understand that I've actually got an opinion. And yeah. the easiest thing for a player to say is, well, you don't play. Yes. And that shuts everyone up every yeah. time. Media, journalists, yeah, I work with people and they talk to me and they go, oh, and I go, mate, you never played. <laughs> you know, it's like to miss a tackle to cost your team the game. Yeah. So as long as I call it how I see it and I can go home at night and sleep without knowing the fact that it wasn't a personal attack because I don't have any personal vendettas that I'd be like, oh, my God, I need to bag that guy every time I'm on radio. Mm. The people that I didn't get on with on the field, I'm an emotional player. I did it to win. That was mm. it. I, I did it, everything I did to win. And I was judged off that. You know, Players aren't judged off whether they play good and they lose. And everyone goes, oh, well, you played well. They're judged off winning and losing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just call it how I see it, go home, enjoy it, and then move on. Just to backtrack a little bit, you talked about how you're instilled from the coaching setup and higher-ups that it's basically don't say that, don't say this, you know, shy away from the truth a little bit or, or hold things back so, you, you know, you don't open yourself up to criticism. Do you think that's the right approach should to dealing with the media, that is? Or do you think, you know, they should be a little bit looser in some respects, a little bit more. I think it's Australian media. Okay. I think Australian media. Anyone that watches the Americans, yeah, you know, they are their own people. Yeah, exactly. their own brand. They, yes, they earn millions, millions more dollars, but they get it. Mm. They get that if they don't put themselves out there, say things, do things, they'll never ever get the millions, mm. right? Ours is a lot more team-based sort of stuff, you know. Like you look at a, a guy called Antonio Brown has just demanded a trade and got it. He got a thirty million dollar raise by getting trade by asking to get trade or demanding to get traded to another team, and he got a thirty million dollar raise the next day because he came out and said, "No, nah, I don't like this team. Uh, no, nah, they're doing all this stuff behind the thing." It's like, can you imagine if a player did that here? Can you imagine if Cam Smith said, "No, nah, I want to be. I want to go to Brisbane right now. You know, I want four years. I yeah. want eight million dollars." Like people be going. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There so that's, is just no fucking way that would fly. So it's negative like from the start. But I get that because you've got to walk back into a locker room of guys that aren't on seven, eight hundred thousand, that have got other stuff going on in their lives. You need to think about everyone else. But sometimes you can actually do that in the media and be 
you know, I understood it when I went to England, right? For the first, for the second time, mm. uh, sorry, first time, I'd been. The Dragons said we don't want you. We want it, and this is, you know, the Dragons fans. If you're listening, you offered me one year. Penrith offered me four. Okay, <laughs> I'm sick of walking past Dragons fans, and they're like, "You left us. You're a wanker, soured." I'm like, "Okay, two things. We won you a premiership. <laughs> Secondly, okay. Secondly, you offered me one year. You had Gareth Widdop coming, and I had four years from Penrith. Okay." I took the Penrith deal because four years. Yeah, for All sure. Right? Pretty fucking simple. Yeah, so I go to England, and when I went to England in London, they've got no media coverage. And the guy comes to me, the media guy, and he goes, Sowie, I know you've just gotten off the plane last week, you've played, but we need you to do this thing for Sky Sports. We haven't had Sky Sports down here all year. I'm like, okay, no worries. So I sit down, Sky Sports. Anyway, they start getting... I came back from there, I'm like, we have media all the time. I just don't use it right. I just I put my walls up. Think about myself. Think about winning. Think about okay. I don't want to upset any of my teammates. But now it's time to go like that. And in 2014, I came back. That was my best year at the Panthers by far. And you know, we fell one game short of the grand final. And I just let it hang. I was like, yep, cool. I'm comfortable with myself now. I'd, I'd have built some media relationships, and I think that helped me transition into the media mm. after the fact that I knew that Penrith was going to be my last contract. But um, that negativity had just been like and Ivan was a big part of that Ivan's like back yourself you know Wayne was like back yourself but I was probably more comfortable after coming back from England and, and understood a lot more and I think that's been able to help me is there, a, is there a part of that where the coaches and the players reticence to have them talk to have you get, like talk to the media is because on one hand you've got the uh, you know the gotcha journalism where they're trying to catch people out and all that sort of shit. So like from that angle, I can see why it's you know why yeah there's a, a an incentive not to talk to the media. But as you were saying, from a personal perspective, it's almost better to be a little. It's better to be a little bit more open so that you can build your own brand. If you look at someone like Ponga, who obviously is fucking elite, but like. He's on Fox Sports now. He talks to everyone. He does everything. Like, there's there's more to gain to be more open. A hundred percent. But the top guys, unfortunately, the top guys get it better than the middle guys, and the the yeah. guys that get no coverage, right? So, you know, Caelan Pong is the face of the game at the moment. So yeah. he can come out and say whatever he likes, knowing the fact that he's fucking awesome <laughs> and you know he's a gun you know all yeah. this stuff like everyone is pushing for Kalen like he could have one bad game and everyone go well he, he wasn't great but next game you know he needs to improve this this and this and he'll come out and kill it set up two tries and everyone forgets about it right if you're on the on the cusp of coming into first grade um, you know you, you don't really understand you're trying to find your way it's hard it's hard to be yourself because you've got older guys that they don't want you they don't want 21 year old or 19-year-old Dylan Brown from Parramatta coming out and going, I'm the man for the next 10 years for Parramatta. They don't want that. It's yeah. just, it's rugby league. We don't we don't want that. But I'd be like, oh, geez, that's a that's a rash statement. But cool. Let's, let's see how you go. You back yourself. Mm. You know, that shouldn't. Because if you're in the room, so if, Tom, if you go out now and you start talking about yourself, that doesn't affect what we've gone on the podcast. It just means that you're comfortable and, you know, too many times as a team, we worry about what everyone else is saying. What what do you do on the field? If you're worrying about what everyone else is doing on the field, you're not worrying about yourself. Yeah. So if you worry about yourself first, and then you're, if you help yourself first, everyone else will help you. So I think if you're in the media and you understand it and you say, instead of going, no, no, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yep, I don't want to give any. Just say, yep, cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to this weekend because what a rugby league player is known for? Cliches. <laughs> Cliches. Mate, mate, it is fucking maddening sometimes. There's a book on it. There's a book of cliches <laughs> like on, on rugby league cliches. Like it's, if you actually just said, look, we weren't good enough tonight, you know, and the players understood that that was not a, not a dig at them. We just weren't good enough. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay, cool. And then the next question might not be, what do you have to do next week? You'd be like, oh, okay, where did you guys need to think you need to fix it? And instead of the coach saying, don't give everything away, you'd be like, look, we just dropped too much ball. You know, we, we need to be better next week. But like, also, like, even, even, even pre-game stuff, like, I wouldn't mind being a little bit more cocky about the team you're taking on or, you know, like, you don't have to come out and go, yeah, we're going to beat the fuck out of them. Or, but, you know, like, yeah, I'm pretty confident we can, you know, or like whatever it is, but it just seems to be far too, I mean, cliche. I was, yeah. I mean, that's, well, all, that's all you get. If someone says, oh, you yeah, know, you're playing the bottom team, right? What are your chances this week? Look, we've had a really good week at training. Yeah, we're confident that we can go out there and get the job done today if we play our best footy. 
That's all you have to say. Mm. Yeah, that's not disrespecting the opposition, but people out there, Australian, the tall poppy syndrome in Australia is bad. Like yeah. it's the worst anywhere. Yeah. Americans, they bag them, but it's like whatever. <laughs> they just go whatever. They got yeah. so much cash, you can almost yeah. afford to. It's that, sort of it's sort of celebrated a little bit over here. It's yes, complete I think opposite. it's celebrated. It's complete opposite here. Anytime someone comes out and says anything rash, or it's like, oh, what a wanker. Oh, I wouldn't like having him in my team. Like, oh, you wouldn't like Callum Ponger in your team? Yeah. <laughs> what? Because he said he, he wants to go out there and set up seven tries. Like, who cares? Just take it for what it is. Live in the moment now. Don't don't go back and and look, you know, and think that you've missed an opportunity growing your own brand because. When people get like when people leave clubs, when people clubs move, like the the misconception in the, uh, in rugby league is, oh he left us. Well, hold on a second. The club was playing me in reserve grade. The club didn't want me there. So, do I rot in reserve grade or do I go over to England, finish off, and then try and come back and make myself in the media? Like, it's a business both ways. Clubs move players on That's all the time, the thing, and eh? players move on all the time. So don't get that twisted. No one but gives a shit when the clubs like will do whatever they can to get a player. We're out. over the salary cap, yeah. so they need to shed four players. Look by at next Segiaro. Week. He gets signed by the Sharks, Mate. and then he's going to get shafted before a can ball's you, even kicked. Can kick. someone tell me how he hasn't got a club? I know, hey. He's can a someone. Gun. Tell me, I'm hey, I'm very good. I'm very good mates with Chico, and I've been through there through his hardest times. He's a gun. He's a gun. He is a gun. Like, he is that fit. He is just smart, fast. Bulldogs. Also a character. Like, he, you know, he's... Someone that you want in your change rooms. Bulldogs, Newcastle, Para. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah and, you, and then we hear that they've got, oh, they've got 400, 500,000 to spend. You're like, you can't, <laughs> what, you can't throw 350 at this guy and get him... <laughs> he's get like him working in a fucking cafe at the moment, isn't he? He works just at a- Jason Nightingale's Flow, Flow Cafe or Flow Espresso or something and... He signed a dollar contract with Newtown just so he could be a part of the of the NRL potentially. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. So he's is, is it official that the Sharks have? Uh, or it's just it's coming. Well, he can't play go. for them at the moment until they shed someone. Oh, because of their cap issue. Yeah, their so cap it's issue. either going to be so, him or but oh, else. but that'll be on the player though once he leaves. He'll be like, oh, why? I can't believe you left us yeah, in our hardest time. You're like, yeah. well, you didn't want me. You can't. You can't afford me. So I can't believe people still have that opinion though. Like it's 2019. Everyone, it, everyone knows how professional it's become. Yeah. The league. Well, th- it's not 1980 where it's like, oh, do you hear he's going to fucking <laughs> from the Fibros or the Silver Tails? No, I had damn. You know, hold on, mate. We're sort of behind. We're we're much further behind America in that regard. Though, 20 you know years. What I mean, Tom. like much further behind. Where they, it's like. Fuck it. Everyone's like, you know, OBJ's just gone to Cleveland. LeBron's been to every fucking team. Like, everyone's changing, and it's purely just about, like, I mean... Well, in LeBron's case, when he did first go to Miami, they burned his jerseys. That's true. That's (laughs) true. But in general, you know, like, it's... but They They move teams to different cities all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if that happened here, mate? Like, there's probably... Let's all admit it. There's too many teams in Sydney. But if they move one, it's going to be... A, it's a going to be fight. a fucking yeah. shit fight. I agree. We're, look, I've always said we're 20 years behind the Americans in covering, in in everything. Like, they just... Punters and dribblers, we are brought to you by Neds, the best betting platform in town. Um, tell you what, if you've been following along on my profile, because obviously I've been overseas, so I've just been whacking up my bets for about even on the Neds profiles app, you'd see some... I, th- I seem to bet better when I'm not around people and I'm just able to eyeball the talent on game day, see what's happening. It's when I'm able to be as, as, as gifted as I think I am. So basically what you're saying is it's a lot harder to bet almost a week in advance. That is games. what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, for example... You could say it's also a 24 hours before a game though, right? No, because if you're putting your bets in on Wednesday morning and there's a game Sunday night... There's also a game on Thursday. Yeah, but that, I'm not talking about that one. Right. I'm talking about the other games where maybe, you know, Nathan Cleary doesn't play yep. or Hines doesn't play. Yep. Well, Nathan Cleary did play, but Hines doesn't play. You'd, yeah. You get caught out. You do get caught out. You know? You, you do. You get caught out. If you follow on my prof is what I'm saying is yeah. daddy. They are calling me daddy value. And I didn't come up with that either. It's embarrassing. How many bets you get on the weekend? Two. I got three. <laughs> well, <sighs> but you're not a dad, so they can't call you daddy value. Dad of a dog. Well, you, they could call you doggy style. Value. Doggy value. I don't know. It doesn't really have the same ring to Why? it as daddy value. You're being pettist. Well, it's not pettist. You aren't a father. I'm father of a dog. No, you're not a and father tonka. of a dog. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shout out to Neds. We love you. Shout out to Neds. Uh, you can follow our profiles on Neds. You can also join the About Even group um, where 
that you know everyone's sharing their bets in there and shit. I actually followed one of Guru's yesterday, uh, which was a Joey Manu away. Yeah, it didn't get up. No, it didn't. He was very lucky that his unit scooper got up. See, I've got a bone of contention next. If that was me, there's no way I'm getting given those nine units. No, but he's no, but he's got it on, and the bet stands. Yes. So it's live. The bet's right. live. Well, I'm just saying, I don't know that I would be afforded. This is what Tobler and I were discussing anyway in the green room. I know this is still a live read. This is a bone of contention. I don't think that I would be afforded the same graces where apparently I'm not getting... So fucking, you think the bet's void altogether? Well, I'm saying you have been robbing me of units even though all my bets were going up last week. Were no, you? we robbed you of two bets. Two. Right. You didn't put one up for the Titans game or whatever it was and you didn't do a unit scooper. That was all you robbed But for. I did the bets. I no, just you didn't. didn't. You didn't put them up. They went on your profile. They, they went, went on there. my profile? No. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll show you. There was one game where there was no profile bet. There wasn't. I went through it last week. You didn't do, you didn't do two bets, and you lost fucking well, two Tobler units, told and that's me, it. Tobler told me I, none of my, all my bets are void because they're not online. One of them. Okay, so Tobler so, doesn't even listen. You're right. So that's the problem. That's the problem. We've, we've now uncovered that. You didn't do a unit scooper last week. That was void, so you lost a unit. Yep. And then there was one other bet out of eight. Okay, well, so Tobler's lying. Then. Yes. Tobler's lying to you and I. Correct. Well, he's lying on your behalf. Shocking. Thanks, Neds. Cheers, Nads. Fuck you, Tobler. Now, you win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Punters and dribblers, it's the most generous podcasters of all here, Tom and Eddie. Here to look after the punter and the dribbler and their drinking needs. Mm. It's still rosé drinking season, we know that. It's worth having a couple of bottles laying around. Yeah, I don't expect you to drink it in the driving rain, but I just went outside and the sun's out, baby. Oh, really? Sun's out, bum's out again, and it's fucking hot out there. I'll be losing the jacket, Tom. Mm. I can promise you that. So you need a couple of cases laying around your digs. You just do. Well, it's certainly when you've got guests, you're entertaining. Hey, come round. A couple of Sheila's come round. You want to be able to crack a bottle yeah. and impress? Yeah. Of course you do. Now, you're going to get 50 bucks off each case if you use the code MANLY. That's a gift from Tom and I at hellosport.shop. Six bottles. You're getting $50 off hellosport.shop. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Be prepared. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, you're prepared to fail. It's not the saying, but it's all right. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Got it. They are way ahead of the game and what they do, and mm. we're just trying to chase it. But you know, trades. Why not? Why not talk about trades? Why yeah. not talk about draft? Why not have an open like? Yeah, drafts may be a little bit harder because I don't know if we've got the talent. Yeah, but right. why not have conferences? Why not have divisions? Like, why not give it a go? And if it doesn't work, so well, how would back? conferences work in terms of the announcement? I got. I sat home one night, and this is before I had a kid. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> um, Maddie was at work, and I'd had a couple of beers during the day. I think it was, <laughs> and um, I actually went through and broke down. I could do four divisions because I like the fact in the NFL that they've got rivalry games. Yes. When I was at the Dragons, rivalry game for me, like the uh, Heritage Round, we played six different teams six years in a row. Like right. we played Bulldogs, we played Souths. We're like, I'm like, who is our real rival? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, get it, yeah. you know. So. Um, yeah, well, our real rival should have been the Sharks yeah. because we're right next door, you know. So um, I actually broke it into four fours, made it so that everyone played. I think you had 22 rounds total because you have a week off for Origin and you just play divisions, play each other once. And if you have two conferences, so you play everyone in your confer- uh, everyone in your division twice, everyone in your conference once and everyone in the other conference once. And wh- wh- where did you come up? What was the split? Do you remember? Uh I'll say that for podcast too. Okay. <laughs> I'll come back because I didn't yeah. bring my book today. Uh, I didn't know how depth we were going to get, but I've got it in my book. I carry it around everywhere and I don't know. I reckon it worked, but I was probably five or six beers down by then. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, What year did you debut? How old were you? Uh, 2005, I was 19. 19. For May 8th for, for the, the Roosters. Roosters against the probably worst Newcastle side ever. Really? That had 16 or 17 players out of their top 25. No Joey, no... Yeah, it nice. was at the SFS. Um, I'd flown to North Queensland the week before, been 18th man, came back, and then Sticky was in origin. So Gus actually coached me my first week. And, yeah, it's cool. Just, just before we just go on with that, but like, was there an age that you were where you knew you were going to make it? Uh 23 <laughs> I was at the Dragons when Wayne came <laughs> I wasn't sure my first 50 games were terrible like if I watched them back I'd be I'd be embarrassed to see what I did on the field because it wasn't much um, I don't know when I first moved to Sydney I moved to, like I was at Canberra with Michael Maguire 
and in under 19s yeah. and they moved me on they offered me three grand i came to sydney for 10 i was working at Foot Locker, just trying my best you know to do both did you ever meet a foot you couldn't fit <laughs> I met a foot I shouldn't have smelled I mean my god Summertime They come in for the slides I just drop them from a height um, But Yeah it's I just uh, I didn't really know I mean I've always Wanted to make it Wanting it And actually doing it Is completely different But Yeah when Wayne called me Through middle of 08 Saying he wanted me to be His 5'8 That was probably then The security That I needed Because Ricky Stewart Had coached me for A year and a half Then he got sacked uh, Chris Anderson come in, didn't like me, so I sort of tried to get out, and I did go to St George, and then. So what happened? Did Chris Anderson start pushing you out? Ah, uh, did... Chris Anderson dropped me back to the part-time squad because I need right. to work on my team skills. Really? Which was like, uh, what does that mean? Man, I was on like a hundred and twenty thousand training twice a week. It was great. I was fat. <laughs> like I was turning up to train. If I didn't want to train, I didn't train. And I was really? like, for the first three months, I'd played reserve grade. Was that as a result of being told though that you weren't you need to work on your team skills? Or was I'd it gone from undefeated 04, Jersey flag, you know, talking like I'm going to take over the halves once Freddie retires. Debut in 05. Um, so I debut May 8th. Go out on the piss. My next morning, my dad has a heart attack and dies on May 9th. Oh shit. Struggle the rest of that year, in and out, you know, a bit off the bench. Reserve grade, grand final, we lose. 06, same thing. Lose again in reserve grade. 07, Chris Anderson comes in, he drops me, and I was like, and I said, I'll give it three months. So I got really fit towards the start of the season and played three months, and then he played one game. He played me one game against the Sharks down at Shark Park. Mini kicked the field goal to win, and... The next day I went to... I'd already agreed to go to the Dragons <laughs> before that, but I needed the matchy, so... Um, <laughs> I sort of didn't say anything. I met Nathan Brown and shook hands, and um, my mate's dad had passed away that night of uh, Sharks Roosters. Went to Wagga, and my manager rang me and said, you play Friday night the next week against the Broncos at Cogra. That was my first game. And then they beat Newcastle 72-4. to up in Brisbane that week. I was watching 72 it. I was watching to it. four. We're at the wake and I what? said, oh, I just better turn on and see who we're playing, you know. 72 to four. I was like, oh, we got them Friday night. <laughs> we rolled them 11 four. Oh, yeah. Beautiful yeah. debut. Nice, bro. <laughs> so you get down to Wollongong, a train out of Wollongong, um, and, you know, Bennett's at the helm. What? How does he differ from other coaches that you've played under? He cares about his players more than any other coach. Like... And when you say that, like I hear that thrown around a lot. What is, can you give us a little sense of what that means? He, the first conversation I'd had with him was, he's like, I train like shit. And he's like, tell me five things you're good at. And I was like, oh. You know, if I said, tell me five things, you're like, oh, I don't know. Because first thing is, I don't want to brag, right? Yeah. You told him, don't brag about yourself. Don't be cocky. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure. And he goes, you don't know five, you play NRL, you don't know five things you're good at. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, kicking. Uh, he goes, okay, just work on them. Just work on those five things. And I was like, he said, don't worry about your defense. He said, I'll put people around you for your defense and stuff like that. I was like, okay. Second conversation, game day, Melbourne was about my family. He's like, oh, how's the family going? I'm like, shouldn't I be thinking about the game? Because coaches have been like, think about the game. It's all footy. It's all footy. For Wayne, it's all life. And footy is like... <laughs> the littlest part really? because he knows if he gets the 98% of of my life right yeah yeah then that's he's going to get the best out of me on on Saturday or Sunday so when he left you know I had sort of hard time adjusting to life without Wayne because he'd been such a big part of making me feel good and knowing when to cuddle me knowing when to kick me in the ass and, and get the best out of me that I really struggled with other coaches you know like the guys that wanted me to be tough and fight and get in front of everyone and, you know, you're a dog and, yeah, tackle. And I'm like, just didn't get the best out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not like that. I'm an emotional person. I take those things to heart, you know. Mm. Tackling 115 kilo back rowers on an edge isn't my game. My game <laughs> is to kick to the corner and goal kick and, yeah. and do those kinds of things. So, yeah, Wayne's just – he just gets it better than other people. Do you think that Wayne as well is not necessarily treating – you the same as he's treating, you know, another 100%. player. Like he's really, is he sort of quite in tune with who it is? And Look at Darius. Yeah. Look at Darius. Darius followed him everywhere because 
he got Darius and Darius understood that he was safe there and could play his footy without judgment of what was going on in in around and what people were saying because he could always go to training and Wayne was the same, you know, like out of origin. So 2009 minor premiers backdoor, 2010 we win it, 2011 we should have won it, but we finished fifth and Tigers roll us and then we had to go to Brisbane and they roll us golden point. So I play origin 2011 we were first going into Origin. We had seven players that year. Come out, we lose 2-1 to Queensland. Surprise, surprise. Month after, I'm like, we lost five in a row. I was playing like a busted, like I was tired, you know. And they said, you, Wayne said, we've got to drop you. I was like, what? Like, I played in Origin a month ago. Like, mm. And see, the other thing is like, side note, people think, oh, being dropped back to reserve grade, oh, my God, it makes the news. You know, Josh Reynolds, back to reserve grade. Reserve grade's a bloody good competition. Yeah. Like... And no one would know that because no. no one follows it. Yeah, that's right. But 17 players each week, right? So top squads have 30 players. So every year people go, right, there's 30 guys here we can use to play first grade. Only 17. So nearly half of those guys are going to miss out every week. The next competition, there's teams in the Canterbury Cup New South Wales that could beat Super League teams. Jesus. Like the, the Super League has five, four, four or five quality teams. The rest of them, they could come out here. We could go over there. We, if we were over there for six months with our reserve grade competition we would beat some of their teams mm. yeah it's just the way it is we just got better talent over mm. here we're 10 years ahead of the game especially NRL but yeah you just I just think we lose that sometimes and then when Wayne said we're going to drop you and I went home and I cried I was like how embarrassing is this going to be this is going to be on Fox you know like Jamie said anyway so I went back the next day and got in real early and went up to him and he's like how you going I said yeah good he goes you have a good day off? I said, yes. And he goes, all right. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm fucking playing on the weekend. He's like, good. Get your shit together. <laughs> I was like, oh, should we hug? <laughs> I wanted to hug. But he's like, good. Get your shit together. So we went out. We we scrapped a win over the Warriors. And then that was it. Like, it was wow. just, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he goes, I was never going to drop you. But. You were just sort of, you know, the little things that got you to where you were, you just slackened off a little bit. And rather than be like, he's like, I just know how to push his buttons. And then he gets that. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah. Fuck, that's wild that's stuff. That's really cool. That's fucking, that's, that's like mental as shit. Stuff. Where he's just <laughs> <laughs> on a deeper level. He's like, how is he in my It's head? almost like he knew how it was going to play out before I knew. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I'd caught up, he's like, I've been here for three days. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been waiting for you to What's arrive. What's he like here? in a grand final week? Oh... Because I'm imagining a grand final week being just a completely different fucking kettle of fish. Yeah, he's probably a bit more chilled. We stayed at Swiss Grand. Yeah. Um, Had my year 10 formal there. Yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he'd stayed like we always, because we're a Sydney team, you know, we want to stay in our bed and play in the Roosters. And we're like, that's Roosters territory. And mm-hmm. he's like, I've won six grand finals here. We're like, cool, when do we get yeah. on the bus? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he's just so chilled. Grand final day, I mean, every team goes for a walk. You know, game day, if you're staying at home, you don't go for a walk. But if you're in a hotel, you have to go for a walk because, I don't know, it's just psychologically, every other team does it, so we better do it. Um, but, yeah, so we're supposed to go for a walk and it starts raining. And Wayne's like, oh, well, we're not going for a walk. And everyone's like, oh, okay, we're all downstairs. Like, We just sat in a circle and just hammered each other like just started bagging each other you know just having a laugh we played Chinese whispers this is grand final day it's like the biggest day of my life and I'm sitting there playing Chinese whispers and for some reason I couldn't have imagined it any other way it was like and then like you fast forward and the bus ride out there and um Every other, like I'm, I've got OCD, so I like doing things exact same mm. uh, when it's, you know, routine and stuff like that. And we went a different way to the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got my headphones on and I've like got the little sweat coming on. I'm like, oh my God, well, where, why are we going this way? Like, I'm sorry, I got the headphones on. I go, what? Boys, why are we going this way? You know, we're, do we, does, oh, is there traffic the other way? Like, I'm starting to panic. <laughs> anyway, and then they go, no, no, this is heaps quicker. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, cool. Um, Wayne's trying to fuck with you again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know if you should be changing things on day like today, you know? Anyway, <laughs> so we walk in and um, everyone, like, everyone was just business-like, you know? We knew that we were the best team. I mean, we knew we if we played our best that the Roosters weren't going to come near us. Mm. And 
because they'd finished sixth. They'd been through a lot of emotional trips to get there. Mm. You know, the Tigers game is one of the greatest games ever where Anasta kicks a field goal to tie it up. Yeah. Kenny Dowell intercept uh, to win the game. So, but then half time, we'd played so bad. Um, it was 8 6 and we were down. I was like, this is everything. Because in 09, I thought for a month, I dreamt every night, like, yes, this is it. We're winning it. We're winning it. I'm going to be holding that trophy. Everyone that bagged me, up yours. Yeah, I'm going to be, you know, pictures everywhere. I'm going to be the drunkest man in Australia. No shirt on. You know, we lost. Yeah. 2010, I was like, okay, we're close. Relax, relax. 8-6 down. Oh, my God. This is it. I've, I'm never going to get back here. I, I can't believe we're blowing this. He walks in and he goes, I don't know who that is out there. And I'm like, oh, yes. All we need to do is win the second half. And I'm there, and I smirked. I remember this clearly. I smirked, and I thought, well, fucking thanks. <laughs> we don't win the second half. We're going to lose. It's 8-6. Like, that's all I'm thinking, right? And he goes, that's not the Dragons out there. That's not the Dragons that I coach. And and everyone sort of, like, you could see everyone just go, ah, oh, it's not. Yeah. First set after half time, we kicked down. They didn't score a point. We ended up winning 32-8. Pumped him. <laughs> like, Fucking greatest coach of all time comes in and says, we just need to win the second half. I'm probably looking for a little bit better message than that. <laughs> if we're ahead on the scoreboard at 80 minutes, we yeah. might win this one. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's it just relax you. Like, that's the kind of guy he is. And we win and we go back to Cogger and it was awesome. What was the celebrations like? Oh, so we'd planned, we, there was like probably 16, 18,000 at Cogra. We are on the stage, everyone was singing and, yeah, I would, because American sports fan, I'd bought two cigars, but I gave it to my mate and I said, oh, just bring them just in case. And then we got him in and um, my, see, my my dad was a Dragons fan and my stepdad was a Dragons fan, so, or he's a Dragons fan. And he'd been to watch, you know, he'd been lifelong. Like these Dragons fans, every club's fans are one-eyed, but Dragons fans, a bit different, you know, yeah. like they hadn't won in 35 years, mm. uh, 32 years. Anyway, Fast forward, so we, my mate goes, oh, I've got those cigars. And I went, yes, this is it. This is Jordan. This is Bird, you know, Bird, Red Arbuck, cigars. This is my moment. You know? um, and so we'd planned to stay at the ground that night, which was something pretty cool. Like you win the comp, you think party, do whatever. But Wayne had planned it out. We'd stay there. The next day we'd go to Wollongong, say thanks to their fans. Then we had a night in the city where it was just the team and, you know, drinks and club and that. And then the next day, we'd go back and watch the game as a team. And then that would be our Mad Monday. So I go down and I went to my stepdad and I said, oh, I know how much this means to you. Like, yeah, he was crying the whole day. I said, would you like, because they said, oh, just bring one person down to the sheds, you know. I said, oh, I know how much this means to you. I said, I'd like you to come down the sheds with me. We're going to sit around the trophy. And we're going to have the championship cigar. And he he was like crying. You know? I'm getting goosebumps talking yeah. about it. He's crying. He's going, nah, fuck off. Nah, nah. Are you serious? I said, yeah, come on. Like, Huey, like, come on. You, you, you know, I met you when I was 10. I couldn't imagine doing it. You know, didn't, you know my dad's gone. Yeah. You're, you're the man, you know. So I took him down. We're all sitting there and the cigar starts going around. And he's sitting dead opposite me, right? And the trophy's in the middle. And he just can't believe he's in the, He's like, this is a championship cigar. Because he's a big American sports fan, you know? He's like, this is it. Like, this is my moment. So, like, we puff it and we're passing it around, passing it around. And I don't think he's had a cigar before. <laughs> so, I learned when I was in year 10, I inhaled once and I spewed for, like, three days. <laughs> so, I puffed and I passed it around and slowly come around, slowly come around. Huey's like, this is it. And he's looking at the trophy. He's looking at me. He's got tears. Everyone's like laughing at him, like Dean Young. All the boys going, oh, he's gone. And then I said, Huey, let's go. And everyone's like, Huey. And he goes, takes in the biggest inhale of this cigar, right? And everyone starts losing their shit. And I start, yeah. And I spray the beer around. And then he passes it around. And I'm still watching. I said, I love you, mate. And he just looks at me and he just goes, goes i love you too <laughs> straight to the toilet <laughs> he spewed we're all cheering laughing i said i went and got him i said That's a bad. i thought you had a cigar before he goes nah he, said, that, he goes 
that cigar. He goes, that's 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 a championship cigar. I'll never fucking forget that. He give me a cuddle. And he's like, I'm going home. That was it. I was like. I love you, Huey. He's like, I've done it. I sat. I've fucking got a photo with you in the trophy. He goes, nothing will ever beat that. And that was that's Huey. Huey's my, he was you know my best mate. He just helped me every time I wanted to quit. He, my mum was my rock, and he was the guy that leveled me out and and always showed me that the higher side of of life. And I'll never forget that moment. That's awesome. That is fucking. Shout hilarious. out to Huey. Shout out yeah. to Huey. Yeah. Um, that's tremendous stuff. That's so funny, dude. That is hilarious. I could see everything that was happening there. Oh, it was so that. vivid. It, it was. was <laughs> oh, that wasn't even the best part. So, like, well, it was the best part for me. But then we're all sitting there and just drinking. And, like, it just eventually sort of break. And then the guys that wanted to sleep go into the um, away dressing rooms. And the other guys just kept kicking on. And there was music going and stuff like that. And anyway, a couple of us, I won't say who, but... Um, Decided to take the trophy on a tour around the field, like completely empty Cogra. Yeah, may or may not have had clothes on. I can't remember, <laughs> um, but there was a lack of clothes. I know that. And we carried this trophy around, and I got about halfway, and we're yahooing and this and that. Bang! The lights come on. Cogra's lit up at like three in the morning, and it's the groundsman. He goes, hey, boys, just wanted to come celebrate with you. What are you doing? <laughs> so we're just carrying this trophy around and we're yahooing and spraying beer and we're on the stage and it's just awesome. Like, well, this is childhood dreams of sporting is you've got the trophy, never, ever be taken off you. That's why being an American sports fan every year, Tommy, you know this, I bring my ring out on grand final day and I was like, oh, I don't even, some people go, I don't even know where mine is. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Every time someone bags me on the piss, I'm like, just hold on. Just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think you're funny, do you, mate? <laughs> See how you've been your best mate for 20 years. I said, shut up. <laughs> Come back again. Oh, I can't hear you now. Yeah, I can't yeah, hear yeah. you now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. For sure. Man, that's cool. That's really cool. Mate, I wanted to take you back to 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom and I were... We're in Bathurst at the time. University. We're um, at university together. We had all the boys over game two, Sydney. Origin. New South Wales had fucking got pumped. Lost the first two games in 09. Fucking dog shit. Dead rubber. Won the dead rubber, I think. But who cares? I should have been picked that year. Absolutely. 2010, we got swept. Again. 3-0. And so we lost game one up at Suncorp. And by, by the time you get to Sydney game two, the fucking the state is absolutely gagging for a win. I can't even tell you. I can remember it like yeah. it was yesterday. Yeah. Fucking gagging for a win. And it was the most intense game. What was it? Eight, four? I can't remember the uh, It was, no, it was 10-8. 10-8? With like six minutes to go. And I will never forget it when GI drops the ball and we've got the scrum <laughs> and fucking you get the ball and um, what's Ray saying? It's just like, um, Is he sow say- it, sow it, Mitchell, <laughs> like that. Like fucking- he just keeps saying your name, does he? He just yeah, sort of, yeah. he's a, sow it, sow it, sow it, <laughs> Minicello. I watched it this morning and I wrote down what he says. Here, here they go. Here they go. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. unbelievable. And then like come back from the ad break because everyone's fucking losing it. And um, Rabs is like, back at ANZ Stadium now, the, cl- the crowd has gone delirious. <laughs> I repeat, delirious. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember we went out that night and had a fucking gut full of piss. Probably went to the Kings, something like that. <laughs> and we came home back at like two in the morning, man, Tom. And we watched the last 20 minutes on repeat until about seven in the morning. Just kept watching it over and over and over again. So you played a, you played a very special part of that, of that year for us, mate. Oh, mate. That was... We should have won the series that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was that moment. Yeah. Because yeah. that was... Well, Pierce... See, that's, that's the moment again, too. You've taken the game... Like, that was you. Yeah, that was your moment. Yeah, look, we, I'd rolled the ball in set, two sets before. We got a repeat set, and then I overkicked it. And you're talking about GI knocking it on. Uh, Akili Uate, Jockey had actually knocked the ball back in, and because it was too, the kick wasn't good. And, you know, I was going out in the full, and GI sprinted onto it and just knocked it forward. Mm. And if he catches it, they go and they win. Like it was. Looking back, that was that's Shit what the game stuff. Yeah, that, that's what the game's made of. The game's made of Moments, 50, 50 yeah. plays, and yeah, some players make it happen, some players miss their opportunity. Anyway, and we got the scrum, and I just looked up and I thought, ah, oh, I'll just get an out ball here and just see what happens. You know, I don't want to do anything to, just want to control the game, which mm-hmm. is what I'm supposed to do. And um, 
was 12-8. So I thought, can't go for a field goal. Just need to make sure that we massage and we just take time off off the clock. And then sort of got this beautiful pass from Piercy. And it was, just it was a rip. Yeah, it was just really just crisp. And then just went left foot. And then I went, oh, I'm through here. <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of half broke another one. And then Minis loomed up and I passed it. And then I just took off and Stevie Gerrard had done the those ones. You know, he points out the week yeah, before yeah, and a goal. Yeah. And my, you know, one of my best mates is a Liverpool fan. So I, once Minnie scored, I took off because I thought <laughs> an assist is just as good here. You know? like, <laughs> the players had come over and Minnie scored and we win. And it's like, this, yeah, wow. Like, we could potentially win this series, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that moment was, was awesome. It was, it was looking all- back. I should have scored. Yeah, you just, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I watched it this morning, and you could have easily scored. Yeah, I know, but it was like. That's but I like I like that you gave it to Mini. Minnie's back in the side after. Yeah. A while. That's the play, it isn't nice. it? Yeah. Like if I drop Big it, time. it's even if you don't want to be like that mundane in the it. grand final where he knocked it on over the line. Like just, you go, you you, you make the, the right play, and yeah. if that was my play was the pass, it then obviously I I did the right play. Fucking oath, you did. That was <laughs> that was phenomenal, and one of the one of the great great origin memories, great nights. We actually, I think, I don't know if it was that night or another night. I'm gonna say that night for the purpose of this conversation but where I accidentally put a chair into the roof of the house in celebration <laughs> oh almost Plus, certainly that and, might have been that now certainly. he's my boss yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about this with uh, with um, like anytime we'll get a guest in ath- who's an athlete not that we've had anyone who's not an athlete from memory but uh, look me and Eddie are frustrated athletes you know we never really made it mm-hmm. but Back in school, the me- the measure of your sort of sporting, uh, your, your fitness was the beep test. And <laughs> we're shocked to find out when we've spoken to, shocked, to, to athletes that beep test is sort of no longer used at all in the professional world. It yeah. breaks my heart. But do you remember what you got in the beep test? Um, I think I was like 15 or 16. Holy shit, so you were Solid. a boy. And... Yeah, we'd done like a thing for this, a touch academy that was new down in Wagga. And um, I think the highest I got was like 15 and a bit. That's but that good. was like, yeah, I'm not, I hated training. That's clearly why I retired because yeah, I just I mean, didn't it, look after my body enough. But but do you think the beep test has a place in the modern beep game? Beep test is the most overrated <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. test ever. Look, we, know, we respectfully disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had. I've had guys, friends, you look across and they, they hear the word beep test, they don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sleep. But look, it's, you know, I think my last thought on this, and I will be back for a part two. So Fuck yeah. um, in 20 or 30 years time, we're going to look back and realize that we weren't specific enough with our training of rugby league players. Um, big guys doing sprints, smaller guys doing longer distance stuff. Guys that were built for speed, doing longer distance stuff, um, it's going to be all backwards and we're going to realise that we missed the trick because NFL, I get it, it's only short stints, but they have mini camp. They look after their players going into a season. We train for four months before a ball is kicked. Like if you finish last, you're coming back November 1. And that's mental, I get it, the mental side of things, but I think we're going to look back in 20 or 30 years' time and be like, we got it so wrong. We, we trained in the middle of the day, but our games are at night. Mm. Right. You so know just what I mean? yeah. So just on that, when you're talking about big guys training for sprints, you're saying it would be better for the big guys to train in short, sharp bursts because so that's the, how they use. The big guys don't stop in the middle. Yeah, but they don't need to run three k as fast as they can. They might need to run six k, but they need to. It just needs to be a bit more specific. Like in the gym, I can't lift the same as you. You can't lift the same as Ed. It's it just. It's going to be all different. We're going to look back and be like. Why was Jamie Sauer trying to do 140 kilos bench press, you know, <laughs> yeah. when one of the front rowers can only do 110? Mm. Just because I'd had a good week at training. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it should be more about looking after your body because, like, there's, it's just, I think we'll look back and we'll realize this, the way we did it was just trying to break each other down, uh, break people down, the trampoline effect, and try and bounce into the uh, season. Mm. Doesn't work. Mm. All right. Uh, look, before we go, this obviously is being recorded before round one of the NRL season, so we can't talk about results. But we can see how 
uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Can he be? Can you pick the round and then when they yeah, resort on Monday yeah, they'll know yeah. if you've picked it on? Oh, let's okay. see if you can pick the round. Aristotle. <laughs> yeah. Are you an Aristotle or not? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Broncos. And Souths. No, no. See, oh, let me get. I'll get it up here real quick so we can. Oh, I've got he probably. T- he probably knows it. Oh, yeah, right. I was going to say. <laughs> I thought you were saying like, but who's I've playing who? I've tipped in six different platforms. <laughs> yeah. I just try and mix it up so I don't. I can't get. Uh, Broncos. Souths. Cowboys. Titans. Tigers. Panthers. And Knights. Knights. Okay. Right. It's interesting. Not too, not too dissimilar from ours. I think except we a, went Storm. Yeah. Well, you made me go Storm. West. I think the Broncos are specials for the Premiership. West Tigers. Well, no, we're Manly. Fans. We went Manly oh, over West. Yeah. So. I think that could get ugly. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a. Sp- <laughs> no, mate. Oh, look. No. Um, look. As a Manly fan, when look, we saw that back good. line they rolled out this week. I was like, fuck. It man. is not good looking. Anyway. Um, mate, thank you very much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. Look forward to getting back for part two. I'll bring my uh, division yeah. book and we can sit we down can and discuss break it. Break it down. Perfect. Yeah, can't All wait right. for that, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers. All good. All right. Be soon. Could you two just not talk anymore? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.